Please pray with me. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I think I know what some of you are thinking. Those of you who attend here regularly, the arrogant young assistant rector, the first Sunday that we are rectorless here at St. John's Church, decides to change things up, and that's not it, I promise. I came in this morning and found out that our over-the-ear microphones are not working, and so uh, that's why I was reading the gospel from the pulpit here and why some of you maybe are having a harder time hearing me this morning. I think Luis sabotaged me before he left uh, last week. But here we are. I heard a story once about a bishop making his annual visitation to a parish, and one of the things that he liked to do during his visitations was to spend some time with any of the youth being confirmed in the parish before the service would begin. He wanted to hear a bit about who they were and what they had learned in their confirmation class. On one Sunday, he went in to meet with the youth, and he decided to to give them a little quiz to see if they knew some of the basics of the faith. He asked them questions like, how many commandments are there, and what are the names of the four gospel accounts, and what do we celebrate on Easter Sunday? Pretty standard, normal questions that all of the youth got right to the delight of all of the parents and the bishop there that Sunday morning. The bishop decided to dig a little deeper, though, and he asked a harder question. He said to the kids, who can tell me what the Trinity is? All of the youth kept their heads down, staring at their feet, and so the bishop, after a few seconds, decided to call on one of the teenagers. Can you, can you tell me what the Trinity is, he said to one of the teenage boys. And that boy mumbled some sort of response. And the bishop said, I'm sorry, I, I didn't get that. And the teenager said, just, just a little louder and only a tiny bit slower. The Trinity is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the, the bishop said one more time, I'm sorry, I still didn't understand what you said. Can you explain it to me again? And the teenager looked right into his eyes and said, you're not supposed to understand it. It's a mystery. (laughs) That's where we are today. Today is Trinity Sunday, and it's perhaps one of the most complex days in the church calendar. It's the only Sunday throughout the year where instead of celebrating some event or person, we remember a doctrine. It's a doctrine that has been around for much of the life of the church, but it wasn't fully formalized until the creeds were developed in the fourth century. It is for many clergy not a favorite day on which to preach. I said to Luis a few weeks ago that The only reason I think that he decided to retire last Sunday instead of this Sunday was so that he wouldn't have to preach today on Trinity Sunday, and he looked at me and he said, you're right, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) Trinity Sunday tries to get us to recognize a new way of doing math. One plus one plus one equals one. How does that make any sense? The short answer is that it doesn't. The slightly longer answer is that I'm not sure that it's supposed to make a whole lot of sense. It's sort of like when we were were children and we would uh, sort of want to do something and our parents weren't too excited about that, and so we'd respond with something like, well, well, why not? And they would look at us and say, because we said so. It wasn't always a satisfying answer, but yet we knew that there was truth in what they were telling us. 
For me, the same thing goes for the Trinity. Trinity. Trinitarian language is, is how we, to the best of our ability, explain our God. And yet the the language always fails. It falls short to an extent and is not completely satisfying, but we recognize the truth of it. I think we speak this way precisely because it's a reminder that we don't have God figured out. God can't be boxed in. I'm always somewhat skeptical of religious people who claim to have it all figured out, religious people who have neat tidy answers for all of the complexities of faith and life. Some, but not all, pastors and preachers from the religious right, for instance, speak with such certainty, such force about the picture that they've painted of God, and I sometimes find that that God is not the one that I recognize in the scriptures. There was a great article in the New Yorker a couple of weeks ago, a profile of the Reverend William Barber, He's the pastor of the Greenleaf Christian Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and he's one of the leaders of the Poor People's Campaign, which is an organizing effort that's taking place in this country with the support of lots of different religious groups. And in that New Yorker profile, Barber, who is himself an evangelical pastor, says that his faith is the opposite of the moral majority version of evangelicalism preached by Franklin Graham and Robert Jeffress, Jerry Falwell, and so many of the others who seem to appear on the news regularly. Those Christians, he says, say so much about where the Bible says very little. He says they talk a whole lot about abortion and homosexuality, and they speak so little about the issues where the Bible says so much, like poverty, empathy, justice, love for all of God's people. Or this is how our own presiding bishop and recent royal wedding preacher Michael Curry said it recently when preaching in Kansas City. He said, there are people who say they are Christian, but they put down folk. He says they put down immigrants, they put down poor folk, they cozy up to power, and if you listen, they never actually talk about Jesus of Nazareth. That's not what we need, he said. We need a Christianity that looks something like Jesus. What they're both saying, I think, is that we should be very careful about creating God in our image and instead remember that we are created in the image of God. I think that Trinity Sunday, this this important day in the life of the church, is a reminder to us that just when we think we have God defined, God comes along in a different way. That's what's happening in our story today from John's Gospel account. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a professional religious person, hears the message of Jesus and he decides that he's intrigued. He decides that he wants to know more and so he makes this evening nighttime visit to Jesus. Nicodemus is curious. He's a smart, faithful man, a good Jew who knows the scriptures, but he comes to Jesus because he is curious. He, he recognizes something holy in him, and so he wants to know more. Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Help me, help us to understand all that you are saying. And so Jesus goes on to expand Nicodemus's faith. He helps him to recognize the same God of the Hebrew scriptures is now being revealed to the world in a different way. That's what the doctrine of the Trinity became for the church, a new and different way of talking about the God who created the heavens and the earth. Catherine Maury Lacuna, who's a 
who was a feminist Catholic theologian who taught for, for many years at the University of Notre Dame, wrote a book in the early 90s called God for Us, and I think it's probably the best book of the 20th century to talk about the Trinity, to adequately explain it. And in it, she said that what the doctrine of the Trinity conveys at its most basic core is that God's history is intertwined with our history. What we're meant to understand as we think about this complex doctrine at the center of our faith is that God is consistently more and more a God for us. The doctrine of the Trinity, she writes, isn't meant to be some abstract, unsolvable, unknowable mystery, but a, a real, concrete example of the God who is for us, the God who loves us, the God who, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is with us, supporting us always. So how do we recognize this God that is for us? The key, I think, is found in the 16th verse of today's gospel reading, a verse that many of us know by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And then in the very next verse, the last one that we heard today, we hear more of that good news. This is what we read. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Trinity, at its simplest, reminds us that God is for us, that God is with us, that God loves us, that God is a God of relationships who wants to be connected intimately to each of our lives. So what do we say today about the Trinity? Maybe we start by saying that, that it begins with an experience. It starts for each one of us, just as it did for Nicodemus, as a, a new experience of the holy in our very midst. It starts as an experience of the God of love, a God who promises to be with us always. It starts as an experience that pushes us to look further, to go deeper, to be open to the ways in which God might be trying to break forth in our lives. It starts with us being open to not having all the answers. I read a story recently about a man who was standing at the edge of a cliff. He lost his footing and tumbled toward the earth hundreds of feet below him, flailing and grasping wildly for something to stop his fall. The man's hand caught a root jutting out from the rock face, and clinging with all of his might to the root, the man looked up, and then he looked down. He was midway between the top and the bottom. There was no way to climb back up, and the ground was still far, far beneath him. The man was not especially religious, but seized by terror, he began to cry out to God. Is there anyone up there, he screamed. If someone is there, I need your help. And to his astonishment, he heard a voice in reply. Clearly, but very gently, the voice from above said, just let go. The man hesitated for a few moments, thinking about what he had just heard. Then looking up to the heavens again, the man said, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> the good news for today is that it's okay to let go. It's okay to let go of trying to have all of the answers. 
it's okay not to know everything, which I know is a hard thing to say to an educated congregation like this. We don't need to start our Christian journey by understanding all that there is to know about God. There is no exam that we must pass in order to be declared good Christians. Instead, what we get today is an invitation, an invitation to continue on the journey to expose ourselves again and again to God's presence in our lives in new and exciting ways. The Trinity, the Holy Trinity, is the promise that God's love for us is deeper, broader, higher, greater than anything we can ask or imagine. The Trinity is the promise that God is for us, that God is with us, and that God is giving us new ways to grow more and more in our relationship with him and with each other. Amen.